This is Soccer News IV. Soccer News IV. It's in your veins. Brought to you by SoccerRom.com. From Bumblebee to high school to college to the pros. Before the best coaches go to practice, they go to SoccerRom.com. Hello and welcome. I'm your host, Stephen Parr. Let's start with national team news. The United States played England in Wembley Stadium last week and were essentially schooled. England dominated in possession and shots taken and ultimately goals. John Terry scored a header from David Beckham's free kick in the 38th minute. In the second half, Steven Gerrard closed the scoring with a goal in the 59th, but the 2-0 scoreline really doesn't convey England's dominance. The U.S. simply had no spark and no creativity. Part of the reason was Landon Donovan did not suit up for the match. He sat out with the groin strain. While DeMarcus Beasley and Clint Dempsey did play, they are two players who need someone to serve them the ball in good spaces to allow their best creativity to come forward. Without Landon, there simply wasn't any leadership on attack. It makes me question Bob Bradley's lineup here. On the current U.S. team, there are only two guys who have had success on an international level leading an offense, Landon and Freddie Adu. Adu has been very good at it for the youth and Olympic teams and is getting better every year. So why was Freddie riding the bench for most of the game when no one else on the pitch could provide the on-field attacking ideas we needed? Basically, without Landon, Freddie is the best we have for that role. And if he's sitting too, the U.S. is in deep trouble. There were some U.S. players on the field who actually hurt the U.S. team. Steve Trendolo had a nightmare of a game. He misjudged balls, lost his mark, and was really not in the game. Striker Josh Wolf simply got lost. When the ball actually did get to him, he quickly lost possession. But the player who may have hurt the U.S. the most was Ricardo Clark. His passing was not crisp, and his decision-making was usually poor. It was a dumb foul committed by Clark that set up Beckham's free kick and gave England the lead. Look, Rico, when you're playing against Becks, you simply cannot afford to foul anybody within 35 yards of your goal. And since Becks plays in MLS, the same league Clark plays in, He should have had a clue about that. I went into this match thinking the U.S. had problem at striker. It's now clear the U.S. has problems at striker, central midfield, and outside defense. On the upside for American soccer in general, David Beckham has been named England's captain for their next match, which does give MLS a little credit internationally. Speaking of the next match, the U.S. now plays Spain in Santander, Spain. This game is on ESPN2 at 5.30 Eastern. Spain is another tough challenge for the U.S. Their roster is full of stars from Spain's La Liga. They are getting ready for Euro 2008 and won't be pulling any punches. Spain expects to win this game, and a loss won't be tolerated well by the Spanish press. The U.S. has only played Spain twice before and has lost both times. Landon Donovan is still out for this match. Ricardo Clark was sent back home after the England match 
and was not called back. Pablo Mastorini was called in to replace Clark in the roster. After Spain, the U.S.'s friendlies don't get any easier. On Sunday, the Yanks will play Argentina in New York. Argentina is currently ranked as the world's best team, according to FIFA. Argentina is getting ready for World Cup qualifying matches against Ecuador and Brazil, so they are taking this final warm-up seriously. After Argentina, the U.S.'s World Cup qualifying gets started with a home-and-away series against Barbados on June 15th and June 22nd. If the U.S. doesn't win that series, their World Cup qualifying hopes are over until 2014. On to MLS news. Former U.S. striker Brian McBride is heading back to MLS. Fulham FC in England announced McBride did not sign a new contract with the club. They wrote up a very nice thank you and goodbye article on Fulham's homepage. McBride helped start off MLS by playing for the crew, but his return trip may take him to Chicago. After all, Brian and his wife are from the Windy City, and they are leaving four successful years in England so they can be closer to home. It seems to me Bridgeview isn't that far away. Seattle Sounders FC have announced they have signed a New Jersey sponsor. Microsoft will pay around $4 million a year for five years to have Xbox 360 Live printed on the front of the Sounders shirts. The team also unveiled the home jerseys, which are green, lime green, with blue on the sleeves. The WPS franchise in Chicago now has an official name. Say hello to the Chicago Red Stars. The name and new logo pay homage to the city's flag, which features four six-sided stars. The name was chosen after an online fan poll. Names that were voted out include the Stinking Onions, the Massacre, and the Wind. And an indoor soccer news. The major indoor soccer league folded this week. The MISL started playing in 2001 after the NPSL folded. That leaves the AISL playing indoor soccer, but that league only has five teams. On to the games. Houston traveled to Dallas for an early game last week. The two teams have already met once this year in Houston. In that first match, Dallas led until injury time when Houston was able to tie things up. Well, this time, Dallas led 2-1 to one until the third minute of injury time when Dwayne DeRosario headed in a rebound to tie the score at 2-all. It is DeRosario's third goal of the year. Dallas's Kenny Cooper scored his sixth goal. Of the year. DC United traveled to Foxborough to meet the revolution last year. DC won the Supporters Shield in part because of goals from Luciano Emilio and Fred. So it had to make Coach Tommy Sohn feel better about this year when both Emilio and Fred scored to give United a 2 0 lead. But see, part of United's problem this year has been their wide open defense. New England clawed back into the match when Adam Christman scored in the 59th minute. And then in the 72nd, Kelly Dubé scored his third goal of the year to tie the match at 2-all. On Saturday, Los Angeles flew to Canada to play Toronto FC. The Galaxy were without both Landon Donovan and David Beckham. 
and that left them without any goals. Toronto's Julius James scored in the 49th minute, and Jeff Cunningham scored in the 65th minute. It's Cunningham's 98th goal in MLS. Toronto wins 2-0. Then Houston hosted another set of Bulls. This time it was the Red Bulls from New York. Brian Ching slid home across from Jeff Cameron for the game winner in the 68th minute. Houston wins 1-0. Real Salt Lake has done a much better job of protecting their home field this year, which is not good for the expansion San Jose Earthquakes. Robbie Finley, Javier Morales, and Dima Kovalenko all scored goals in the second half for the Royals. San Jose's John Cunliffe did get one back in the 84th minute, but the Quakes lose 3-1. Columbus has also been much better in 2008 than they were in 2007 or 2006, but after starting off with seven wins in eight games, the crew hasn't won since May 10th. Chivas USA hoped to continue that streak. Another streak Chivas wanted to keep alive is the scoring tear from newcomer Jorge Flores and veteran Jesse March. Flores scored his third goal in three games in the 20th minute. Then Marsh matched him with a blast a minute later. The Goats rode the two goals to a 2-0 home victory. On Sunday, FC Dallas was playing their third game in eight days, and some of the fatigue was showing, especially in the high altitude of Dick's Sporting Goods Park. The Rapids opened up the scoring with a goal from Connor Casey in the seventh minute. He was basically able to make the entire Toros defense fall down then picked his corner. Dallas's Dominic Oduro tied the game just before halftime, but the second half was pretty much all Colorado. Tom McManus got the game winner in the 72nd, and Colorado moves to the top of the West with the 2-1 win. Here's the standings. Let's not keep you in suspense any longer. In the East, New England has a one-point lead over Chicago and Columbus, but the Revs have played two more games than the Fire. The crew are 0-2-2 in their last four games. Toronto's not far behind with 17 points. There is a sizable gap down to New York, Kansas City, and then D.C. United. Over in the West, Colorado now leads with 15 points. The Galaxy, Chivas USA, and Houston all have 14 points. Dallas is only one point behind them. And Real, Salt Lake, and San Jose are pulling up the rear. On to the schedule. On Wednesday, the U.S. plays Spain in Spain. You can watch it live on ESPN2 at 5.30 Eastern. Then Houston plays in D.C. against United at 7.30 Eastern. That game is on direct kick. On Thursday, it's the Goats against the Bulls in New York. ESPN2 will show that game at 7.30. And there's a rare Friday game when the Hoops head to New England. You can watch on direct kick starting at 6.30. On Saturday, the Earthquakes travel to Columbus, where the crew will try to get their first win in a month. The match kicks off at 7.30 on HDNet. DC plays their second game of the week, this time in Chicago against the Fire. Fox Soccer Channel will show the match starting at 8.30. At 9, the second-to-last place team in the West plays the second-to-last place team in the East. Real hosts the Wizards on direct kick. 
Then at 10.30, it's a Western Conference match between the top two teams. Colorado plays L.A. in the Home Depot Center at 10.30. On Sunday, Toronto travels to Texas to play the Dynamo. Telefutura will show the game at 3 Eastern. And then the U.S. will host Argentina in Giant Stadium. The match is on ESPN Classic at 7.30. That's all for us this week. I need to say thanks to Soccerom.com for all of their support. For Soccer News IV, I'm Stephen Parr. I will be gone for the next two weeks. I'll be back towards the end of June. Until then, remember Soccer News IV. It's in your veins.